Howdy, everyone. Glad that you could be with us today. We're going to school, to class, so if you have your Bibles, open it up to Genesis chapter 2. You're watching online. Maybe you're in the chapel right now. You're here with me in the center. We're glad that you're here heading to school for a few minutes. Your textbook is the Word of God, and it's going to give us insight into how we're to live today. Give us some perspective. So as you turn to Genesis chapter 2, uh, let me show you a little bit of something I have here on the board that I want you to think about for a moment. It's a statement. Blank is a gift from God. Fill that in for yourself. Like, what would you say today is a gift? It's 2020. There's a lot going on for you today. What do you see or feel or sense as a gift? Maybe you'd say your job. Maybe you'd say a person. Maybe it's your cat. I don't know. Maybe it's your small group, a circumstance, a vacation, an adventure, something that you've experienced that you would say today, I'd fill this in with what? What's a gift from God to you today? And in every season, especially difficult seasons, if we can look and recognize the gifts that God has given us, it changes our perspective. But here's what Genesis 2 tells us we get as a gift. It's probably not something you and I would ever put into this blank. But Genesis 2 tells us that work is a gift from God. Oh my goodness. You're like, no way. Work, my work, is torture. My work is a grind. I hate my job. I don't know what you're thinking. If God gave me the gift of this job, it must be a gag gift, and he must be kind of cynical. Why would God give me this job, this boss, this circumstance? There's just no way work is a gift. And I work 30 hours a week, 40 hours a week, 50 hours a week, 60, 70 hours a week, and then I come home, and there's work at home, and there's schoolwork, and volunteer work, and it's work, 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 grind, grind, grind. There is no way God gave me a gift called work. And yet, that's what the Bible teaches. Like, God is working all the time. Don't you count on the fact that God is working right now? I mean, wouldn't you say, I hope God's working right now. I believe God's working right now. God better be working right now. God is working all the time. And FYI, you're created in his image. You are like him. So guess what that means? That means you were created to work. And I believe this side of heaven, we will spend all our days working. And FYI, in the new heavens and the new earth, I think we got work to do there as well. We're created to find our purpose and our value in work. And that may sound really crazy. I get it, because we have a warped view. But let's jump into the textbook class, Genesis chapter 2, and we're going to see how work is a gift from God. Genesis chapter 2, we're going to be reviewing a little bit before we jump into some new verses. So up to this point in Genesis chapter 2, verse 8, the only one who's done any work is God. 
Nobody else has done any work, only God. He creates the heavens, he creates the earth, he creates the plants, he creates the animals, and then we read he rolls up his sleeves and he fashions humanity with his hands. And then last week we started talking about the garden, right? Verse two, uh, Genesis two, verse eight. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. So, so he forms humanity, he clears the space with his hands out of all the wild, makes a garden, it's actually an orchard, and he places man in this garden, in this orchard. Verse nine, the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye, and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there, it separated into four headwaters. The name of the first river was the Pishon. It winds through the entire land of Havlad, where there is gold. There's gold of that land, and it's good. It's aromatic resin and onyx. They're also there. The name of the second river is the Gishon. It winds through the entire land of Cush. The name of the third river is the Tigris. It runs along the east side of Azure. And the fourth, fourth river is the Euphrates. So he's, he's talking about this garden, and he's locating it with these rivers. And we talked about last week why he made this garden. God created this garden, a sacred place of enjoyment, of intimacy, of work, and of testing. He clears this little ground out and plants a garden. It's a lush garden. There are animals and bees and birds and lush fruit and things look good, smell good, touch. It's all taste. It's a great place. There's rivers running through it, a well-watered garden. And here we learn that it's also mineral rich. There's lots of elements in God's garden. He walks and talks in the cool of the day. It's a protected space, a space where God and man meet together, and this man gets a front row seat to see the goodness and the greatness of God. But there's more than just enjoyment in this garden. Check out Genesis 2.15. It says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So, so everything else up to this point we would all say is a gift, right? We'd say, well, God walking and talking with man in the cool of the day in this garden, we'd all say that kind of intimacy is a gift. We'd all say the fruit that looks good and tastes good, that's also a gift. Now, God gives man work to do, which is also a gift. God is always at work. We're created in his image to work as well. So let's unpack it. Let's go a little bit deeper. Phrase by phrase, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden. Really important. Remember, Pastor Brad taught us when we see Lord God in English, that means sovereign, powerful God. Sovereign, strong, personal God took a man and put him in the garden. That's language of placement. God deliberately, strategically, personally put this man in this garden. It's not an accident. It's not like, I'm not sure what to do with him, so why don't I throw him in my orchard? 
It's not a punishment, hey, jerk man, you gotta work it off and pay off. Like, no, it's placement. He places this man, he's the right person at the right time, in the right moment to do something. And it feels really safe if God places you somewhere. If God placed you in your job, if he was the headhunter that called you and got you your gig, would you not feel safe and protected when God places you somewhere? The Lord God placed man in this garden. And then it says, the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to work it. This phrase, to work it, means expending energy, tilling. There's an expending of energy doing some work. Now, it's not sweaty grunt labor. That's not what he's taught. We've all been there, right? We've all done sweaty grunt labor where we have to just work and work and work and work and we see no reason for the work, we see no results of the work, and that's a grind. It's torture. That, that's not what we're talking about here. The work that we're talking about here is the kind of work where you expend energy and you see results, where he's working and he gets to see the fruit, literally, of his labor. He produces fruit that tastes good. It looks good. It's not a grind. It's work where energy is expended and results are evidenced. It's satisfying work. It's also language that it's worshipful. The language in the Hebrew really starts to point to worshipful work. It's the language used in the Old Testament when priests would set up God's tabernacle, where priests would prepare the sacrifice. They served God, and by serving God as priests, they were worshiping God in his service. So the language here is expend energy in a worshipful way in service to God. Last phrase, the Lord God took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and not just work it, expend energy in a worshipful way, work it and take care of it. That's a really important phrase. It points to the fact that man has responsibility over this garden. Remember whose garden it is. This is God's garden that he clears out of the wild and plants a garden and places man into that garden and says, now work it. He could have stopped there. Hey, just work it. Find your satisfaction in just working it. But he goes, no, find your satisfaction and work it and take care of it and guard it. It's work and responsibility. It's work and privilege. It's work and I get to do this in God's garden on his behalf? I get to take care of God's orchard? Privilege, responsibility, watch over my garden. And as you zoom out from this, you see all powerful God in a very personal way makes this garden, clears out of the wild a place to plant an orchard, puts a man in there, says, Work it, you'll find your satisfaction in doing it, and take care of it. You'll find your value in this responsibility. And it's in this that man gets to recognize and honor the greatness of God by working. 
So, so check this. It's like he's got a front row seat to see all powerful God do incredible things, watching trees grow and seeing God do what God does. It's intimate. It's close. He gets to see it. He gets to interact with God. And now God says, now your responsibility, your role, your purpose, your meaning is to work. And what is man's response to God? It's, I'm going to recognize who you are, all-powerful creator, personal and loving, who with your hands formed this, with your strategy placed me. And I am going to worship you by recognizing all of this from your hand. And my work, my yes to your assignment is my worship to you, my yes to your assignment. When I fulfill what you have placed me on earth to do, that is my recognition, my honor, my worship of you, great and mighty God. It's an act of worship. Now, some of us are workaholics, so you might hear all this and go, yeah, I love when the pastor tells me, the Bible tells me I should be a workaholic. And you're all excited because you're like, I love to work and I never stop and I weed my garden and then I weed my weeds and I, I just keep working and working and working and working and working and working and working. And you love hearing that the Bible says that you should just keep working and working and working. And then some of you are like, I hate working. I hate my job. I hate housework. I hate laundry. I hate my kids. I mean, right? Like, I hate, I hate, I hate. And you feel really bad right now because you're like, Wait, I'm supposed to like my kids and like the hundredth diaper. And it's like, and then there's some here that are retired and some who are disabled. And you're like, wait, work stopped for me and I, I don't have a job, I'm retired. Or I can't work because I'm disabled. What about me? And we all find ourselves in this different intersection where whether you're in school right now and learning or whether you're retired, whether you're disabled and want to work, whether you love your job or hate your job, whether you love yard work or hate yard work, there's something in this Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 that's for you and me to find our purpose, why we're here. Let me give you three observations from these few verses. First, God puts us in places for a reason and for our protection. Remember, he put man in the garden. It wasn't accidental. It was deliberate. It was strategic. It was purposeful. God could have done a thousand other things with this man, put him a thousand other places, but chose his orchard, his garden, and says, I am putting you here. God also places you and me in a specific spot with specific family, specific experiences, specific education, specific job, specific time of life, season of the world. And he does it not to harm you, but for your good. Don't miss how purposeful God is. And we can take comfort if God place that first man there. If God places people still today 
if he's not asleep at the wheel, if all of this isn't random and God is strategic and loving and kind and sovereign and strong, if God really knits you together in your mother's womb and he knows you intimately, he knows your strengths and your weaknesses, he knows your joys and sorrows, if he knows all of that and he placed you here and now in these circumstances, there is protection and safety in just saying, God, you put me here. You put me here. See, I, I don't know your story. I don't know your circumstances. I don't know your experience or your education. I don't know your joys, and I don't know your sorrows. I don't know, but God does, and he's not asleep at the wheel. He's alive, he is active, and he loves you and me. And he's very deliberate. Somehow in God's ability, he's able to orchestrate all of this and allow us to be free humans who make choices, and yet he's not surprised. I think Paul, or excuse me, Luke in the book of Acts, he writes these words in Acts chapter 17, verse 26. Paul says, from one man God made all the nations that we should inhabit the whole earth and God marked out our appointed times in history and the boundaries of our lands. God did this so that we would seek him and perhaps reach out to him and find him, though God is not far from any of us. I don't know your circumstances, but God does. I'm not close to you, but God is. He gets you. He knows you, and he has designed specific spaces and places and personalities for all of us to interact with. Maybe you should ask the question, God, where have you placed me? Maybe with humility and open eyes, say, God, where have you placed me? Man, I've put myself in some bad spots, and other people have done some things to you and me that are bad and evil, but the God of the universe is loving and promises even when someone intends harm, he can make something good out of it. The God of the universe is not haphazard. What spot are you in where you know beyond a shadow of a doubt God put me here? If he puts you there, there's safety and protection in living there, being there, learning there growing there and saying, God, I will be in this specific spot until you make it clear to me I should shift or change because I trust you, author, creator, sovereign over my life. What spot has God put you in? Because it's in that spot. If you're confident he put you, take comfort in his protection in that Spot. Secondly, work gives us purpose. Work gives us purpose. So God put man in the garden to work it. What kind of work did that man do? So we all like big, juicy apples. Does anybody like small, pathetic apples? Raise your hand. Anybody, you, want, you really want a small, pathetic apple? No, nobody wants a small, pathetic apple. You want big, juicy, crisp apple, right? Well, I just happened to have worked on a farm growing up. You know, Jersey's a garden state. Jersey Joe worked in an orchard, and I spent a lot of time in an apple tree when I was young. 
Because here's what happens with an apple tree. An apple tree bursts out these blossoms, and on an apple tree, there are lots of blossoms that grow into lots of small apples that are pathetic. And unless someone goes into the apple tree and hand picks out the clusters of apples. So if there's a cluster of five apples, I would by hand in a ladder or up in the tree pull out three of the five apples. Why? So that the nutrients of that tree would pump into those two apples and make them big and glorious, not like pathetic Pennsylvania apples, right? And so you work to find meaningful, productive, juicy red apples. You know what God did with that first man? He put him in the garden and he said, I'm giving you meaningful work to partner with me for big, red, juicy apples. You will go into the tree and pull a couple of the apples off and throw them on the ground so that they could become. He gave man meaningful work. And he gives you and me meaningful work. And without meaningful work, we lose our sense of purpose. If every day of your life was a vacation, you would lose a sense of purpose. If there wasn't, thank God, for Friday, or I hate Mondays, if there wasn't that, and all we did was sit around and do nothing all the time, live on vacation and enjoy, we would lose a sense of purpose. And one of the reasons some of us don't have a sense of purpose is because we're not working the way God designed us to work. You see, when you work, you expend energy, you see results, and you find satisfaction. Remember the first paycheck you ever got for cutting grass or babysitting or something where you felt a sense of satisfaction that you did something meaningful that's hardwired into us to sense expending energy, find satisfaction, and partnership with God. What meaningful work do you have today? What meaningful work where God has placed you in a circumstance and a season for you to work? Maybe you're hanging out with kids all day long and you're like, I hate these kids, I can't take one more diaper or teenagers are driving me crazy, I don't think I'm gonna make it. There's meaning in that expending of energy. It's hard work, but it's what gives you a sense of purpose and value. It's why you're here. Maybe you're in school and you hate school. You're in elementary school or middle school or high school or college. Maybe you're going back to college as an adult to get your degree and you're like, I hate learning, this is no point, there's no purpose, this is boring. I hate school. Well, if you don't lean into that education, you're missing an opportunity. You might go back and think, oh, I wish I was back in school, right? We've all been there. Lean in and learn why you can expend energy in that spot because it gives you a sense of purpose. Maybe you hate your job. You're just punching in because you have a dream of being somewhere else and you want to do something else but if you just punch the clock and you just coast and you just do it because I gotta grind it out, you lose a sense of purpose and meaning in the moment that God puts you there for a reason, maybe to learn, maybe to grow, 
Maybe you're disabled today and you're like, I want to work, but I can't. There is meaningful work for you to find with whatever abilities you have. You're retired. What are you just going to coast the next 20 years and meet Jesus and be like, I was retired and did nothing and played golf? Or are you going to find some meaningful thing to serve other people? That's where your satisfaction comes from. Expend energy. Do something with your life. And in that, you find purpose in partnering with God. If you feel lost and without purpose, I ask you, are you finding your purpose through what you do, expending energy, not your ultimate purpose, but there's something in God's design for us as we partner with him that we bring about his purposes on this planet. Lastly, work communicates value. The Lord God put man in the Garden of Eden to take care of it. It's not just work, it's responsibility. It's a privilege that I get to oversee, to steward, to take care of these kids, this home, this job, this responsibility. When I'm deliberately entrusted with meaningful work, I gain a sense of value. I remember on the farm, the first time the farmer let me drive the pickup truck. What did that communicate to me? It communicated to me he valued me. First time I used a lawnmower that was six feet wide, value. First time a group of teenagers went on a retreat with me and the church was like, yeah, you're 20, take the church van and drive them on a retreat. That communicated value. They were crazy, but that communicated value to me. When you're entrusted with something, whatever that is, it's God saying, I value you. You have a purpose, a role. Do you recognize what's been entrusted to you? Have you stopped to go, this work has been entrusted to me? These people, these children, these teenagers, this house, this car, this brain, these hands, everything I have has been entrusted to me. And God's saying, I value you. That's why I entrust this to you. You're important. You have a role. You have a purpose. You're not just another cog in the wheel. There's a reason why you're here and you're uniquely designed for this responsibility, for this work, whatever that may be. And, and many of us go, I don't really like what God's entrusted to me. And then we wonder why we don't feel purpose. He knows you. He entrusts to you because he knows you better than you know you. And so if you just despise what he entrusts to you and say, I want someone else's garden, someone else's work, someone else's family, someone else's intellect, someone else's paycheck, I want what everyone else has. Instead of looking at the garden, he entrusted to you and say, this is my garden. In partnership with you, God, I will be responsible and work with this. If you spend all your time comparing what other people have been entrusted with, you don't appreciate and don't fulfill your purpose. And again, you wonder why you sense distance from God and loneliness and you feel like everything's random? Because he's like, I gave you this. 
Be faithful with this, whatever that may be. If God made us and knows us and loves us, if he is sovereign enough to pick a specific spot and place us there, if we're to find meaning and purpose in whatever assignment we have and sense value from our creator, that's when work becomes a gift. That's when we realize, wow, God, you entrusted this to me and I get to serve you in this way. It's my act of worship to you, God, that I will take my assignment, my role, my possessions, the people in my life. I'll take whatever you've entrusted to me and I'll lean in and I'll serve and I'll work and I'll be satisfied. And in that, we discover true joy. Here's where I want to finish, back at the board. Are you ready? Work is a gift from God, class. Everybody say it. Work is a gift from God. I can't hear you. Online, work is a gift from God. Here's something else. Ready? God is a gift shared through work. Check this. You ready? Connect these dots. God made you and knows you. He places you in specific spots. When you fulfill your assignment from God, you find meaning and value and purpose in partnering with God. And all of that is how you're designed. It's good and beautiful and your purpose on planet Earth. But FYI, the world is more than about you. The God of the universe who made this place, who's loving and kind, faithful and just, slow to anger and abounding in love, is ignored by many, many, maybe most people. God has scattered his sons and daughters on planet Earth to find their purpose and their meaning through their work and through the responsibility entrusted to them. And he's also scattered us among the earth to bring his goodness and love, the gift of God, to bring it to different people all over the place. And the world doesn't need more pastors. The world needs more of you to work in finance or to work as a mechanic, to be a truck driver or a nurse, to hang out with annoying kids in daycare, to be a teacher, to be an innovator, a scientist, to be whatever God has called you to be. He designed you and placed you as a mechanic or a mason, a doctor or a lawyer, a housewife, as someone who's retired and has free time, as someone who's disabled and you go, what's my point? He has put you, placed you, strategically given you gifts and assignments and a role so that you can share the goodness and gift of God with other people. It's placed us in the lives of people who are broken and who are lost and who think God doesn't care. And he puts you on that landscape crew. He placed you in that PTA meeting. He placed you in that surgery. He placed you in that 
scientific lab to figure something out because he is a gift to the world and the world is ignoring the gift, so he sent you. And when you and me do our jobs, our assignments, do our work, when we do it to serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords, we find our purpose and we share through our work the gift of God with the world. How many people have come to know God through Christ because someone told them about Jesus at work? How many kids have grown up to follow Jesus because a mom or dad took time with them day in and day out, diaper in and diaper out, annoying teenager in and annoying a grown adult in and out because you took time to show them the love of God through Christ. When you treat people justly at work, they see that God is a gift. When you don't just punch the clock, when you're not lazy, when you work with all your might, people see that God is a gift. When you're patient, when you're respectful to people at work who don't care and share a different political or personal understanding of life, but you're loving and patient and kind at work, people see Jesus. And there is nothing more satisfying than working hard, inventing and creating and serving and loving, finding our meaning and purpose at work, but there's nothing more satisfying that through our work, people would discover an eternal relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and no pastor or missionary was involved, just you, the mechanic, or the real estate agent. That is satisfying, and that's why you're here. Would you pray with me? Father, how patient you are with us that though we put ourselves in so many difficult spots. You place us in opportunities. Though we see work as a grind, you want to redeem our work through Christ and use us to make a difference in this world. You give us work so that we have purpose. You give us work so that we understand how much you love us. You entrust things to us that we might partner with you in this garden. God, you give us work so that people in all different spaces and places would see a real life picture of love and grace and truth. So to all of us, may we embrace the spot we're in May we work hard. May we represent you well. God, to the person listening who's struggling, maybe because they can't find a job, maybe because they're stuck in a rut at work or they're being mistreated at work or there's a glass ceiling above them at work. Maybe they're just going through the motions, struggling day by day to just keep going in whatever assignment I pray that today they would know your favor and your peace. I pray today they would understand how much you love them, that you know them and their circumstances, and you hear their cry. I pray as you 
Enable us that we would represent you well again, that we would bring light into this dark planet that the world might see you are loving and good. I pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen.